Welcome to Campbell and Cohen's Cookie Quarantine. I'm Seamus Campbell. And I'm Ben Cohen. And this evening we are joined by the always awesome and right now in a Care Bear onesie, Becky Beaver. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. You're our first guest. I know. Like, I, I feel honored because there were a lot of people that wanted to be on this. I don't. We, uh, we, we have a sign-up sheet going. I, I just saw. Sort of did book and obviously I think you called first dibs before we even posted that. So, I mean, we had to honor yeah. that. That's, that's yeah, really I, I think I was like the first one that was like me, me. <laughs> Uh, but but I can't wait for uh, Clayton Brown to come on. I'm going to shout him out. And uh, just, I want him to give, give like a review of like what it's like to have Andy Bashir as a governor right now. Because like after the press conference that my governor just did, like I am even more stressed out than I like, think I was before. Like we are never getting this fixed here in Georgia. Like I'm so sorry. It's just like Jesus Christ on a cracker. I, I have seen the Andy Bashir memes. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm very happy with the way that my governor has handled all of this. But we haven't started a meme page for her yet, and I think we should. For my governor, it's Andrew Cuomo, who right now his press conferences are on CNN now. And basically, it's one photo of it's the boyfriend turning around. You see Andrew Cuomo, the other girl, and the girlfriend is Joe Biden, so. <laughs> right now, um, Brian Kemp, who is my governor, has basically said, uh, just uh, stay in place and uh, we all will fight this virus together. And it's like, oh, cool. Uh, thank you for not doing anything. Our numbers are rising every day. And, uh, you know, you can only throw so much medical and money at it and, and then what? You know, it's... It's absolutely infuriating. Like he spent basically our entire press conference that we just had, like, this is what I've done. And bars and nightclubs are closed now. Thanks. That was literally it. So well, we've done that here too. And that is definitely a safe thing because as I think we've realized by seeing all the people who have gone out for spring break in California and Florida, if you don't expressly force people to stay inside and stop socializing, they literally will regardless of the consequences right no i mean like and i'm here for like whatever needs to be done and like and i'm such an extrovert like i hate all of this so like i'm also like in the same boat of like let's just do it now and get it over with <laughs> that way like we can go back to being around people and i i don't know like i don't understand like why some states seem to have it so together and then other states it's just like i don't know you'll figure it out good luck guys yeah yeah that's um yeah but i'm um, well, like i think everyone's like finding their own little ways to like de-stress in the middle of all this like like well, I, just before we started the podcast you were talking about watching the always awesome timeless film yes Space Jam. the 1996 cinematic classic starring michael jordan and bugs bunny um it is literally the perfect children's movie and i have a whole like theory about this because it's, it's one of those movies, like, even if you, like, are so far removed that, like, you're watching it or, like, I know some people now, like, among my age, like, I'm 30, I have friends with kids, their kids are watching it and they still get it. And it's one of those movies that is smart enough that, like, kids can laugh at it, but, like, adults can also find humor. And I think that's, like, a really hard balance for children's movies to find. But also it's, like, shockingly pro-union. Like, at the very beginning of the movie, like, when the aliens come from Moron Mountain, 
they literally have a union meeting like bugs money calls a union meeting they go to a union hall bill murray is brought in by teamsters and daffy duck is complaining when they're getting michael jordan's like gear they're like if this was a union job i'd be treated better so like it's oddly political but you know 1996 pro-union children's classic i'm not gonna lie i had forgotten about that entirely so that's amazing I've I, too, did not remember that. All I remember is that little aliens that, like, steal all the magic powers and, and they put it into a basketball somehow, which, if I could, like, have, like, Michael Jordan's power put into a basketball, well, definitely wouldn't be doing podcasts right now. I mean, it's, it's amazing, and they make so much fun of him. They make fun of Michael Jordan almost the entire movie about him playing baseball for that one little, like, brief moment. And the beginning of the movie is nothing but, like, a highlight reel of, like, Michael Jordan's career. It's amazing. It is my favorite movie. It has made me feel so much better. I, so, like, Ben, you're the oldest of the three of us here. Do you remember, like, when that came out? Like, was it, like, meant... Because I always had this theory that it was meant to, like, be the way that Michael Jordan reintroduced himself to basketball. Was that, like, the case? You know, I don't think it was the method, but it kind of felt like that. I mean, I was in grade school when he did his whole flirtation with baseball and, you know, when he made his comeback, when Space Jam came out. Um, and in general, it was a movie with Michael Jordan teaming up with the Looney Tunes, so it was a BFD. Uh, <laughs> I think I went to see it for a friend's birthday party. Um, like, we, people knew he was coming back to basketball. I mean, that, that was already happening. But it was just, it felt like part of the homecoming celebration to a lot of people. Because, I mean, I grew up in Kansas. You know, we didn't have our own NBA team. We didn't even have one that close to us. But... Michael Jordan was the kind of player who had that sort of national impact that, you know, you'd think of somebody like Tom Brady having now uh, or Aaron Judge, like that player who's just so and so universally recognized that they are important to everyone who follows sports in some capacity. Um, You know, speaking of Tom Brady, I'm actually a little surprised that he's uh, going, what was it, to Miami? Tampa. Tampa, sorry, I was close. Florida. I even know. But, no, I honestly thought that like, he, he was going to take a job. You know, he's, he's pretty much BFFs with Trump now. He'd take a job with the uh, Treasury Department because I've heard that he knows a thing or two about deflation. <laughs> you know, it's so weird that, like, there's not been sports in so long. Like, it's almost, like, getting out of, like, the normal just to even talk about sports at this point. Because, like, ESPN was playing, like, a marble race or something yesterday I saw that people were talking about, like, I don't even know what, what the point Marble is. Marble We were talking about this on the last podcast. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yes. I heard about this, and I wasn't sure what he was saying at first. Like, are you saying the Marv Olympics? Like, is, is this like, just people named Marv? Because that would be <laughs> watch that. <laughs> that is not the... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, first off, now I really have an urge to like go get a copy of the phone book and just like see how many often, how many times we see Marv. Excuse me, Marv. Would you like to play in some games? <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, you had to be six feet away from the next Marv. <laughs> yes. I saw a meme today that was like the Olympic rings and they're all like separated out, but uh, the Olympics are postponed now too. True. Yeah, I mean everything. We were talking about sport ball for a long minute. I, I, that has been jarring to me because I, I follow a lot of sports. I think I made a few comments about this when we were recording our first episode, but 
being a KU alum, not having postseason college basketball, it, it hurts me. It hurts me to my core. Um, yesterday, CBS just straight up replayed our 2008 national title game that we won over Memphis. And my God, I, you know, that's the only kind of game that I've watched more than once, willingly, because that you know, takes a thrill out otherwise. I mean, this is the fourth time I was still completely enraptured by that. One, because I got to actually watch some KU basketball. Two, because, damn it, I needed the memories. I'm telling y'all, if there's not SEC football in the South, like, there's going to be riots. Like, they are going to straight up. <laughs> it's not going to be a good time. Like, I'm so serious. Like, football is such a serious thing here in the South that, like, people make plans around it. Like, I know people who have, like, literally like made wedding plans for the fall and like had them intentionally not on Saturdays because they know there's certain people that will not come. I, I mean, I can't be mad. I, I mean, like, it's just one of those things. Like it, it's just such an ingrained thing. It's like you have church on Sunday and football on Saturday and that's just what it is in the South, like period. <laughs> and for some people like going to seeing a football game is church also. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, there is a great analogy I've heard before about how, uh, based, especially in the UK, going to soccer matches, or as they call it football, you know, which it's soccer. We're Americans. USA, USA. But basically, that is going to religion because all these people from different backgrounds that don't really have anything to do with each other coming together for a common belief that their team is going to win. It's also it's really kind of beautiful. We just got um, soccer here like a, a couple years ago in Atlanta. We have Atlanta United and they've done really well. And it's, all, and it's honestly become like the liberal sport in town. Like that's like where like all the Democrats go. Like I learned about soccer because all the liberals were into Atlanta United and I just felt super left out on it. So it's like weird how there's like almost many factions in sports of like, I don't know. I don't know how that works, but it does. I mean, I love a lot of different kinds of sports, but yeah, I mean, we've, We've had an MLS team in the Kansas City area for that was one of the original teams in the league uh, sporting. It was the Kansas City Wizards for a long time. They changed their name about, I think, ten years ago to Sporting Kansas City. Um, and yeah, I mean that's definitely the same sort of draw. It's the sport where the cheering section is full of anti-fascists and people wave, you know, waving rainbow flags. Uh, a little bit different than going to a football game. Uh, our, our kind of football. That being said, let me tell you something. So Sporting, after missing the playoffs for the first time in several seasons last year, uh, made some big moves in the offseason, picked up a few really, really good strikers who proceeded to the first two matches of the season that we actually got to have, absolutely tear it up. And then, you know, they completely lost the rest of the season, and that has just been agonizing to me. Not the least of which is because they announced that they were going to start postponing games right before Sporting was going to go and beat the ever-living snot out of Atlanta United. I would drop a mic oh. if I could. I mean... In, in, <laughs> <as> I <told. laughs> back to the Olympics being canceled or being postponed until maybe 2021. Since I happen to... The only real time is I really care about sports is the Olympics. Yeah. I actually am pretty bummed about that. Because for me, I actually am the grandson of an Olympian. Oh, that's awesome. What sport? Uh, track. So, my grandfather, like, uh, for those of you at home, sporting scarf. 
that looks like the most anti-sports like we're the sportings like it just sounds like someone would make that up like that knows nothing like <laughs> supposed to sound british it's also the scarf for people since this is audio who can't see it is completely covered in pictures of shuttlecocks um like you know as if you were playing badminton the reason for that being that the famous art museum in Kansas City, the Nelson Adkins, has a giant statue of a shuttlecock on its lawn. That's amazing. I'm sorry, Seamus. I did not mean to interrupt your, your Olympian story. I just got totally distracted. No, it's, it's not you. It was Ben. It's always Ben's fault. It usually is. It's true. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Yes. So, yeah, my grandfather uh, was in the 36th Olympic uh, in Berlin. Uh, oh. He was in, tr yeah, so the one with Hitler. Uh, fun story, actually, that does not come out in the... Well, he was also personal coach Jesse Owens. Oh, that's cool. Uh, that's really the so, only way to get fun story out of saying the one with Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets better. It gets better. Oh, Lord. So, of course, Owens is kicking ass uh, and comes to a time... Uh, he's doing, I think it was a 100-meter relay into the pole vault. Uh, or long jump, sorry. And Germans, they're like, we can't let this uh, American black guy get all the medals. You know, this is our time to shine. You know, go Nazis. And so what do they do? They're like, we're going to have him go from one event right after the another, right after to another. This way he's completely winded. And my grandfather, being the nerd that he is, actually decided to read the rule book on being an Olympic coach. There's a little provision that says you can talk to your coach for as long as you want. And that uh, for advice, I'm saying this in air quotes for those of you that are listening. And so my grandfather, who's seeing the first row of the bleachers, calls him over and says, OK, I'm going to talk to talk to you and you tell me when you have your win back. So for 25 minutes, my grandfather is talking complete nonsense to Jesse Owens. Yeah. And all the Germans are screaming bloody murder. Finally, he says, "Coach, I got my win back." And he's like, "You sure?" Go goes out and does it. Uh, gets the next gold medal. Of course, Hitler is pissed. So my grandfather helped piss off Hitler. That's amazing. I really I hope that applause uh, gets through onto the actual audio of the podcast. Um, we, we don't really have much in the way of Foley work for this, but, you know, if you can hear me, just really condescendingly slow clap the Nazis in any way I can. Yes. That's the story that I think we all need in these times. Like, I actually, so, Ben, you're a lawyer. I, I've gotten to the discussion before. Uh, do you, I have a theory that if there was ever, someone's ever charged with punching a Nazi, they would get away with it under jury nullification. What are your thoughts? I mean, you, like, it's not, jury nullification's not like a defense that you can say, hey, because of this. That being said, if I were still doing criminal defense work and I were to, say, get appointed to a client who was charged with battery for punching a Nazi, I would absolutely take it to a jury. And I would try that. I would suggest that, hey, regardless of this, there are a lot of arguments that I think you could use uh, I had a very spirited discussion with a not terribly but slightly more conservative person that I went to law school with uh, while we were in school about the reasoning for doing this. 
And I would say that for many people, you know, myself as a Jew included, if you saw somebody say flying the emblem of an organization slash military force whose sole purpose was to conquer the world and exterminate you, you could take that as a threat and say that you were defending yourself. Now, I, there are, I, I won't really most judges wouldn't completely accept that, but at the very least, you would definitely get leniency on your sentencing. Um, I mean, you could argue heat of passion for being so angry at seeing that. Uh, there are, I, I cannot really advocate for people committing battery, but there are a lot of defenses I could see one raising if they were to be charged in such an instance. Fair but enough. yeah, if okay. worst comes to worst, I would absolutely at that point try to re-nullification. If it didn't look like anything else would fly, I would be absolutely willing to just start nudging people to say, hey, regardless of this, you are to some degree allowed to come to a different conclusion. Uh, jury nullification doesn't work too often, and it's not great for your overall reputation as an attorney, but hey, it still exists. I got to learn about jury nullification from the always awesome CGP Gray. Literally, I think that he begins the episode or the video on YouTube saying, if you ever want to be on jury, do not watch this. And of course, the second you tell someone that you don't, not to do something, they're going to watch. I know that we're told clickbait by him. You literally say don't watch this in order to make it more likely that people watch it. That is human behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I honestly I would love to watch. Like algorithm stuff with YouTube in general that people like use to try to get folks to like actually stay on a video longer. That way more ads and some more revenue runs through. Also clickbait titles, all that stuff. So 100%. But like I have heard people, other attorneys in the past say like certain things that like you should and should not do to get called for jury duty if you're like being like held in a pool potentially if you want to be on duty or if you don't want to be on duty. Like I'm, I've always wanted to do jury duty. I've never gotten like, I've never gotten a summons or selected. I, I don't know what I need to do to make this happen or like I want to go so bad. I mean, it's supposed to be completely random for what that's worth. Yeah. Uh, I know I've been, like, I've gotten the, the card for it, but there have always been reasons I've been able to either call in and say, hey, you know, I'm a student or I'm going to be traveling. So usually it's because I was a student. Yeah. Uh, and in Kansas, they're pretty good about letting you offer that. Or I was just, the number of group I was in was so high that it was, you know, a given that I wasn't going to get called, um, which is fine. Now, okay. if you are willing to go in and say during the voidier process, just completely start ripping on the entire judicial process or cast doubt on the need for a certain kind of law if you have an idea of what sort of a case you're about to be hearing. That's a surefire way to keep them from actually selecting you. Um, a lot of factors go in. Sometimes, you know, the attorneys have a limited ability to just say, I don't like the way that this person looks. Not in those words. That's I like my one. next big life move right now, too, is like I'm trying to use this quarantine period because I am legit on quarantine. I'm on a self-quarantine because the uh, Georgia State Legislature got exposed. Um, we had a senator who was feeling sick and showed up anyway. <laughs> so um, we actually have several positive cases now. Um, I'm on day 11 and feel great, thank God. But I'm sitting and trying to use like this downtime to do productive things. So like I've been studying for the LSAT for a hot minute now. And like, if I don't learn logic games now, I don't think I'm ever going to. Like, I have no excuse to not do it. 
Oh, uh, the LSAT. I took that once and I bombed it. I got a 145. Yeah. I, I mean, basically, I was forced to by my mother. You can fix, like, you can improve on a 145. That's not. No, but that. see, technically speaking, I actually committed perjury when taking that. So. Um, you know what? Let's not press that. We are literally recording this and releasing it publicly. <laughs> Uh, no, the thing is that you have to sign a sign an affidavit saying that you are taking this because you want to go to law school. And I didn't, I don't want to go to law. I didn't want to go to law school. And the real reason was my mother was taking take the LSAT, but I nonetheless signed that thing because I had to say it verbatim. Did your mom just so like all, want you to be a lawyer? Was that the whole like, thought process? Oh yeah, like she knows that I had the, probably the mind to be a lawyer, and a lot of our mutual friends say that I would be an awesome lawyer. We only go to law school. Absolutely not. <laughs> also, there's nothing more satisfying than being able to say to someone who is a lawyer, I'm not a lawyer, but I knew that. Because I can also find sections of law and just completely one-up them. Before, there are um, people who oh, great ahead, joy in There are people who take great joy in trying to show their, you know, even their attorneys that they think that they are smarter than them. I, I spent a year uh, as a public defender, and let me tell you, a lot of people, when you know, they're in the sort of mess that they would get to come to us, which is sort of no to shut up and let us take over and get them in as little trouble as possible, every now and then you would have one that was absolutely convinced that they knew some legal term very well because they'd heard it on a TV show. Um, and when you would try to explain to them that, no, your assumption is wrong, oh, my God, the fight they would put up. I am not allowed to give specific examples, but I have many running through my head right now. Of just somebody has heard this one term on their favorite TV show, something like that. And when you won't argue that with for them, I mean, you are the worst thing that has ever set foot in the courtroom. So it's okay to be smart. It's good to be knowledgeable. You have to assist in your own defense when you're charged with something. But be a little careful with how much you argue with your attorney. Most of the time, they know more of what they're talking about. Not always, but most of the time. So, like, don't be like Ted Bundy and, like, fire your attorney in court? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or actually, uh, one that you probably don't, neither of you probably know about is Colin Ferguson the Long Island Railroad uh, shooter. There's a great SNL sketch. I just searched for it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Basically, he's this guy who went into on the Long Island Railroad train and started shooting up people, which is terrible and all that. But then he decides to be his own attorney. And he was just absolutely out of his mind. And they basically, almost verbatim, started doing something from court TV where it's him saying, well... <laughs> just thinking about it making me laugh uh, he basically would be saying to people on the stand so who shot you you did and oh, we'll see about that <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah and then, well when were the uh, <laughs> did you was notice the snapping suspenders what was he pacing back and forth and snapping his suspenders no he was just like wearing like regular plain clothes uh, but then, like, in the SNL sketch, which is 
not off the rails from what was really happening. This this story happened like ninety five, but I know the story because I grew up on Long Island. Uh, have it, it's like, did you notice that there were radio signals being transmitted to everyone's heads? And no, everyone knows that radio signals are transmitted to everyone's heads on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Oh my God! Well, that, and basically. <laughs> And basically, they just show the prosecutor saying, uh, at one point, just doing a ship in the bottle, and they're like, okay, who shot you? That guy, Colin Ferguson. No further questions. And the attorneys, he fired the attorneys, and he insisted on being his own attorney. And the attorneys were just saying to the judge, don't let him. He's crazy. He needs to get an insanity defense. Yeah. And... I hope this and is a I, lesson to all of our listeners. If you're going to do really anything and get caught, don't try to represent yourself. It's not going to go as well as you think it will. And I always felt bad for that. Uh, any of y'all ever watched the show Eureka? I have not. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. It was on Sci-Fi Channel. You can get it on Netflix. But the protagonist on it is a guy, is an actor named Colin Ferguson. It's like, I feel bad for you. You share a name with a mass murderer. So, Becky, since you're kind of using uh, everyone's big national quarantine time to study for the LSAT, yeah. do you have any idea what sort of law you'd want to go into? Um, I haven't fully really decided yet. Like, I've, I've thought about different areas. Um, I've looked at um, – the only thing I know I'm not really wanting to do most likely is family law. That's the one thing I'm not I just don't want to do divorce cases and like custody battles because custody battles will just rip my heart out. I can't, it, it breaks my heart to see things happening to children. And that would be just one that would gut me. Um, but I've looked at different like parts of contract law, um, entertainment law, um, personal injury, stuff like that is kind of the area I'm, I'm leaning towards right now. Might do criminal defense, but we'll see. I'm, I'm kind of, trying to figure out where I fit. One of the great things about this whole process is that very few people either know what kind of law they're really going to do when they get out of law school or they don't keep it consistent. You know, not this early on. So yeah. Like that was one thing I've had people tell me that like essentially like going to law school is like a good way to kind of like figure out what you're, what you're good at and what areas you actually like understand better i guess is the, what i'm trying to say yeah. here no you're completely right like right now i just know that logic games are just absolutely killing me that's the thing i'm positive <laughs> in this whole process the real trick to the lsat isn't necessarily getting great at a certain section it's time management mm-hmm and I'm saying, you know, that for you, and if there's anyone else who's listening to this who is considering going to law school, when you are taking that test, you will have so much trouble because it's not that uncommon for people to not finish a section before time is called. Um, and they will lose points on that, and that's almost a given. If you can at least get through every question, though, you know, you don't get docked for getting stuff wrong. You, don't, you just don't get credit for the, for the questions. So you are just by getting through it, guaranteeing yourself that you'll bump your score up a few points. So, yeah, get a feel for that. 
However, also, if you do get into law school, Becky, please do not constantly complain every day on Facebook that you hate law school. Oh, like I some know. people that we know. Uh, I, no, I, I have, I have certain people like in my life that are not in my life anymore. Like I, I, I used to be friends with this one guy who literally almost every single day that I talked to him, he was a 2L and he was like, Becky, don't go to law school. Uh, Becky, like, this is the worst. Like, and it was just, okay, then like, what, why do you do it? Because I want to be a lawyer more than anything. Like, all right, but you complain every day. I, I don't, you know, I mean, like, I get that it's hard, but I, I also come from the whole school of thought that like nothing easy is worth doing. So like, if you're just going to constantly moan and complain, like I have no, I have no space for that. Also, listeners, we should note that we are recording on March 23rd, which for most students in law school is their first day of the Zoom School of Law. Uh, they are actually selling Zoom School of Law t-shirts on, I think, Amazon. God, I imagine what the class rankings for that must be like. <laughs> <laughs> the craziest all... thing out of like the tour that I went on before the apocalypse started was like they were telling me and i don't ben maybe you know about this but they were literally telling me like yeah like when you like do your law school application like you need to do an addendum of like every job you've ever been fired from and every like speeding ticket you've ever gotten because like when it comes time to take the bar if you don't like disclose that information in your law school application then like they can look into like all this other like past information that you have what they were telling me like have you ever heard anything like that because i mean like yeah. i don't have any major skeletons but it just seems excessive um it's when you're an attorney there is something called a duty of candor and you know with that it has to do with it to say the court and to your clients but you have to be honest you have to be upfront, even with the things that maybe haven't gone right for you um and it's when you're applying for the bar one of the things that they have to uh, put you through just through the paperwork you submit for the exam is called the character and fitness test. Um, and if you can't pass that after law school, then you just straight up don't, to, don't get to take the test. Part of that is being honest about your past, about if you have any excessive debts, any even minor things. You know, I think you, know, you, you, don't, you don't have to disclose, like here are all the times where I got parking violations but, you know, I got a, like a, a large speeding ticket a couple of years before law school. I think I had to disclose that. Um, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not exciting enough to have a lot of big skeletons. In my no, like, I'm not that exciting either. That was the thing like that. I, that I kind of felt like crazy on it. But I was like, I've had a couple of jobs I've gotten, you know, like let go from for different various reasons, some fair and some not, you know, and I've had a few speeding tickets here and there, but I mean, that's really as exciting as I get. Like, I just don't have like a lot of stuff either. So it's not even that I mind putting it out there. It just seemed really strange. And I didn't know if that I was mean, just like, it's a lot like if you're getting, if you're applying for a job, because in a way it is part of the job application, but it's a background check. Um, they want you to be upfront and they want to make sure that you're at least willing to admit to this. I knew people in law school who, you know, had some more serious things in their pasts, but they were open about it. They disclosed it yeah. and they were able to get in and graduate and sit for the bar and be sworn in and become successful anyway. Really just because they were able to keep track of themselves. 
Got it. Yeah, because that was like the only thing I saw that just made me like go. <gasps> like, it just felt so no, invasive. like they're not going to look at that and think you are not the complete and utter paragon of virtue. You cannot go to law school. Trust me, if they were that strict, there would be a lot less lawyers. <laughs> and I'm not telling any great secrets here, so don't worry. None of my uh, none of my uh, fellows are going to come for my head for saying that. Not that we know of, but if uh, it ends up that it's only the uh, Campbell kooky quarantine, well, now you all know why. <laughs> no, if that happens, I think we all know it's because you just don't want to share the bill anymore. Hey, the hell this is being hosted on my personal servers, so. <laughs> it's not like we're making money from this thing yet. Well, not yet. Wink. If anyone knows any uh, potential sponsors, you know, we are willing to sell our souls. Seriously, I don't do anything with mine. Camel and Cohen's <laughs> Taco Bell cookie quarantine. <laughs> cookie quarantine. Don't drop that chalupa. Actually, Warner <laughs> Brothers, if you are listening to this, we did give some pretty good shout outs to Space Jam. That's true. Or any of Michael Jordan's sponsors, which there are plenty. There are. Oh, uh, we are willing to put on Hanes underwear on our heads, like, and put the photos up with oh, on a Patreon if need be. Yeah, no, I'll do that. I, I have no yeah, idea. yeah, I have no issue with that. I actually, uh, I think, I think I was like six or something. I saw it on Doug. I was like, I'm gonna try putting my underwear over my pants because uh, a quail, quail, quail man. man. Yes, I'm glad we all went there. <laughs> I've seen some like really fun. So like. So cosplays like I don't know if anyone like listening cosplays but like that is such an easy and fun one that I've seen people do like it's all you need is like the basic dub funny outfit with like a belt and a pair of underwear and just the bravery to wear it in public you know once we actually get to a conference like a, a, con a convention that isn't postponed because of the pandemic maybe I'll try that we do a, a very you know, a kind of a low-key but fun one in Topeka called TopCon. It's been going on for several years. I never actually cosplay to that because God knows I have no ideas for it. <laughs> That's just there funny. was actually a push for the conference in Kansas City for everyone to cosplay during it. And I know at least one person who was going to dress up as the uh, 13th Doctor. I was not aware of this. I keep hearing, yeah, I keep hearing all these different things that were going to happen in Kansas that I had no idea about. And, like, I know we're still going to Kansas, and I'm, I'm excited to go to Kansas when we do, but, like, I'm also, like, kind of glad that, like, I'm finding out about these things now, because there's stuff that I would absolutely participate in. And, like, I'm, the cosplay section about, is definitely yeah, that, one of them. Let me tell you, most of the things you have heard about probably come from the deep right, uh, recesses of my mind. Because I am, among other things, just a complete and utter madman. Um, I, I hadn't heard of that one, and I'm a little disappointed because that sounds fun. You know, I'm sure people would have had some expectation. I think, uh, I, you know, I shaved for the first time in many, many months a few weeks ago. But since we have a lot more time now, I might have to, like, grow my beard out to epic length and go full John Brown for this, just to represent. Yeah, my old school cosplays my, my, my old go-to's was I used to do Harley Quinn a lot just because it was really easy when I had blonde hair um, I'll probably transition that now into like some sort of poison ivy 
I basically just plan all my cosplay around like what can I do with my hair that I don't have to wear like 800 pounds of makeup. I did a zombie one one time where I had like the full liquid latex peeling skin and it looked cool. Looked really cool, but I was so miserably uncomfortable that after that I was just like never again am I going to do a cosplay that like I can't function as a human being in. <laughs> the absolute easiest cosplay to do though is my personal favorite is Dr. uh Dr. Gregory House. Because all you need is a blazer, a cane, stethoscope, and preferably, if you really want to like put go out for it, you don't shave for like two days. So you have a five o'clock shadow, yep. and you wear like some sort of like brand T-shirt. I haven't thought about that show in years. Fine show. Yeah, no, I liked it. It's just one of those things. Like it's weird. I've I've got TV shows I'm like that with where like I really liked them when they were on, and then. I just kind of forgot about him until like someone mentions it in passing. So this is giving me a great idea. And as the third party, Becky, you can tell us what you think about this. Okay. Seamus, we can think of some sort of a prize. I think we should have some sort of a cosplay contest for our friends. You know, our, our fans of the show. Well, hold on. Are we doing like it in Kansas city or are we doing this like IRL? I, I would imagine that. I would imagine since we don't know how long this will go on, maybe we spend some time thinking about what the prize is and ask for photo submissions. I could, we could do that. You know, I could set something up on our website, which anyone wants to check out our website. I'm sure we'll probably put up the form for people to sign up to be a guest. Uh, what? Give them the URL. That's what I'm going to do. Sorry. Bit.ly slash cookie quarantine. It, so you'll be brought right to our website. But I actually did find out today that uh, we are the only podcast that has the word cookie in it. Hey. I'm actually surprised by that, and I'm a little thrilled. I think we are stomping out new territory here. <laughs> and you, our yes. listeners, you get to be part of that history. So if you want to be part of the kooky, kooky history, which sounds like the children's version of drunk history, uh, definitely, definitely sign up on bit.ly slash kooky quarantine. Love it. But we'll figure out some way probably in the next few days after, after this comes out on uh, how to submit your own best cosplay. And we'll figure out whatever prize it is it may just be like just like some maybe ben will just send you some kansas barbecue or something i might we'll talk about that offline everyone keep an eye out on on our next episode maybe we'll have a decision made by then or at the very least on the website or on our respective social media we'll think of something exciting yeah that's the next thing that we have to do is probably create uh, social media accounts for the podcast yeah, that, that's probably a, a good plan, especially if you're actually considering, like, keeping going on this after we get out of whatever this quarantine is. However, one, this is a question anyone who subscribes to the podcast can probably find out what my email address is, because it's all tied to it. Uh, find out if there's a way to check Google Analytics from a Google document, uh, because I actually today was working on some grad school homework. And I actually made a reference to this podcast with a hyperlink to it. So I really want to find out if my professor ends up clicking that link. 
So what, what are you studying in grad school, Seamus? Uh, political management. Okay, okay. Well, that's so it's, <laughs> uh, it's an online program through George Washington University at the Graduate School of Political Management. So uh, since that is online, you know, we have not been forced. In, we already are doing our essentially school of Zoom. Yeah. Uh, I would for a school that's already online, they would start making you meet in person, just, you know, for personal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everyone deserves to be disrupted right now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually don't even, so I do actually have to go down to D.C. at some point next semester for a week, and I have no idea that's still happening, or even when I have to go, because I have to do a, uh, some seminar class there. You know, it's really crazy to me because I've been working, I, I've been a staffer now professionally since about 2016, um, 2017. And I have never once stepped foot in DC. Like it, it's on my bucket list of stuff. Like I'm sure I will inevitably end up going, but like anytime I tell people that I've never been to DC, it's always like just a big shocking moment to folks. So I think everyone thinks that like, if you work in politics in some way, shape or form, like you just, you're there every weekend. And that's just not not the case. I lived in D.C. for a year when I was at Catholic University. It's actually not as big as and great as it sounds. It's actually a very lonely city because everyone does the same thing. Everyone. Somehow they're all connected to the government. Even the guy at the bodega, they're definitely working in government somehow. Like I can see that. So everyone, if you want to go and make a real connection, come to Kansas. That's where the love is. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know the heart of American politics is in Kansas City? <laughs> I mean, it's closer to me. We have we have some of the better elected officials now. I mean, Georgia doesn't have Laura Kelly, do they? No, no, we definitely don't. But you guys brought us Sam Brown back, so you went like 30 steps behind. And then we didn't give everyone Chris Kobach, so. But also, in all fairness, we have John Lewis, so, you know, no, that's, no. that's one thing we got going for us in a major way. I'm sitting 10 feet away from an autographed copy of the graphic novel he wrote about his life. The first time I met him, I had a, I had a copy of March with me and I had him sign it. And he was so excited that like I brought that versus like just random campaign paraphernalia. Um, he's the best though. Like genuinely, like the thing you have to like understand about John Lewis is like he's just a genuinely like sweet person. Like that's not an act or something you see on TV. Like that's just that's who he is. Like I I love him. He is he he's a treasure. Like I've never heard anyone say anything bad about him. Like. I, I'm honestly really happy to hear that. I, I just like, I've always loved John Lewis. So. And he consistently is like one of the, one of the people who like always does whatever the party needs. He supports the party's candidates. Like the first campaign that I managed here in Georgia, he endorsed. And that like meant more to me than like uh, mostly anything else that we managed to like accomplish. Like, I mean, we, we accomplished some good stuff and especially for our first campaign, but like, for me to be able to say that he like endorsed my candidate was just like such a big moment for me as a first time campaign manager. He was the commencement speaker at the college I work at last year. And I was kind of bummed that I had to work, sit in the office 
and I couldn't be there in person. So I had to watch the live stream. I couldn't get an autograph, couldn't take a photo with him. Because the guy is just, he's an American icon. Yeah. Like, it, it's interesting, like, for the Georgia politics. So we, have, we have him and we have Stacey Abrams. And, like, and Stacey Abrams is so much beyond an icon. She's, like, almost like a literal rock star when she goes places. Like, it, it's wild, the crowds that, like, would show up during her bus tour and everything else. So as I was on about 75% of that with her because I was on a statewide campaign also. And it was just the amount of people that would show up in these places that you would have never thought you'd see people, much less Democrats, you know, just filling up town squares. Stacey Abrams has become like almost, for lack of a better term, the establishment's AOC. Yeah, like I think I can kind of see that. Um, like, I, I hate the term establishment just because I never really, I, I always feel like people use it to like whatever agenda or type of like ideology they want to press it on. But also at the same time with Stacey, she is she's incredibly smart with like everything that she does. Like, she, like there's nothing that she does or just kind of like a, a quick thought or move. Like everything is calculated in the best possible way. Like, I don't mean that in a negative calculated, like mm -hmm. she is always eight steps ahead of you at any given point. Like she is mm -hmm. genuinely one of the smartest people I've ever, you know, come into contact with. And I think that's something that people don't really realize about her. And she's effortlessly and oh, I can't talk. She's effortlessly intelligent. And I think that's something that a lot of folks in politics, even the most polished people don't have that quality that she does. And um, I know there's a lot of people kind of rumbling around about her being the VP pick. Um, I personally think it's either going to be her or Kamala right now. That's what I'm... Same. Same. Yeah. No, I can see that. Biden is committed to picking a woman. Mm -hmm. I think if he doesn't pick a woman of color, I mean, he's just slapping a lot of very important supporters in the face. So. Oh, yeah. 100%. And I, I think him and his team are smart enough to know that as well. I don't think there's anyone dense enough to think that, that, that they can go with just, you know, another generic white woman, you know, VP candidate. Not, I mean, and I'm a generic white woman here too, but, you know, like, but it's definitely a, a different moment in politics right now where the party has to pay attention to smaller, you know, marginalized communities. And I think it's important and I think it's beyond time for that. And I'm thrilled to hear that he is, that he's actually considering because I think that there's a lot of people who sit there and say it, but you know, for him to actually do it means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. I think once we're on the other side of this and civic engagement and really public life can go back to some shred of normalcy, it would be nice to see people being a little bit more open to that sort of thing. Um, I mean, we were already kind of getting there before but you'd sort of hope that with the newfound appreciation for the lives of others that I'm really, truly hoping people are getting from this, they're going to be a lot more open to the idea that, hey, leadership doesn't need to be homogenous. And the fact that there are so many communities that have been utterly unrepresented on the top levels of leadership is something that's going to be a little bit more resonant with people, especially when this is done. I think this is one of the strangest is going to be one of the strangest campaign seasons. Like I never thought we would get anything really much weirder than 2016, but I think with this whole pandemic happening and everything else, like you can't even do traditional campaigning right now, even for our local stuff, because I mean, you're not going to go do field and knock on doors when you can't be within six feet of somebody. 
you know, and the only real option right now is digital. And I think even after this clears up, depending on how long it takes for this to clear up, you know, it's, it's, it's going to change the game a little bit. I think there's gonna be some new strategies and ideas kind of born out of this. And I'm, I'm hoping that there's some positive innovation on that. But I mean, I've been talking to local campaign strategists right now and, you know, they're telling me that some of their campaigns that they're working on are an absolute mess with this happening and incumbents can't raise money in certain areas like anyone in our state legislature on the House or Senate side that's an incumbent can't raise money. So the primary races are kind of a, a mess. I don't know how this changes the landscape. That's what I'm, I'm wondering if we get more first time candidates out of this than we would have typically. Like this entire campaign cycle has just been a complete clusterfuck. Because first we all thought it was going to be basically a brokered convention and then suddenly South Carolina happened and Biden swept it. And then basically out of nowhere, he swept Super Tuesday and took the front runner seat. And now it's virtually mathematically impossible for Bernie to catch up. And trust me, I'm sure we've all seen the people on social media who are saying, uh, trying to like stick to their talking point saying that Bernie's going to get it. And it's basically now everything is changing with the whole pandemic. And then also at the same time, I know some, uh, some local candidates have been having the issue with uh, Bloomberg when he was buying up so many ads that they couldn't uh, even afford their own television ads or radio ads. So I, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's cliche to say this, but I actually missed 2019. Yeah. And like, I think that that's a simpler time. Yeah. And who would have thought it all? <laughs> and that was a clusterfuck. I think every year is just getting crazier and crazier. Uh, I'm really, really counting on, you know, just a full on alien invasion in the next year or two. <laughs> oh, the year 2020. The only aliens only... more on mountain. <laughs> I think, okay, can I get an agreement on this that other than Kamala or Stacey Abrams, Biden should choose Giant Meteor as his running mate? I don't think Giant Meteor will give anyone a choice. Yeah, I think Giant Meteor is kind of a omnipresent. <laughs> no, Giant Meteor will become, because Biden will probably have, end up Something will happen, you know, Giant Meteor will see to it. Giant Meteor will take over. And Giant Meteor will have all of the world's nuclear weapons at their disposal. Giant Meteor 2020. Let's just give in already. This is like, we're, we're having a whole like intergalactic cataclysm. Sounds a lot more Frank Underwoody than I would have expected. And honestly, <laughs> image. You Frank know, Underwood sad. is an American hero, okay? It, it's, really sad when, like, it's really sad when Frank Underwood is, like, more structured. Like, I would feel more confident under this whole quarantine if Frank Underwood was president versus Donald Trump. Easily. Oh, I'd, I'd have Frank Underwood as my president any day. Like, even before Trump. Because he got shit done. Yeah, I mean, like, he'll say crazy things, but he'll say them as a monologue to the camera. He won't tweet them. And he'll just True, but he also menacing, he care menacingly who gets in his like way. just tap his ring on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> and those of you that probably didn't hear this at home, I literally just knocked on my computer keyboard. <laughs> All of Frank Underwood. Oh, it sucks that Kevin Spacey was a creep because that was such a good show. I know. 
Like I like that's well, the thing. Like like y'all know I'm a hundred percent in support of the Me Too movement, obviously, you know. But it's just like I, I get angry on two levels when people like get found for like violating Me Too. Like I get angry as a woman, but then I also get angry because it's just like, damn it, you had such good art, and now I can't enjoy any of it. Like you just ruined all of it. That was something I was gonna say earlier because we were talking about Space Jam. And of course, the song from it is by uh, R. Kelly. I believe I can fly. Every time, like I'll put my iPod on shuffle, and that comes on, I'd be like, "Damn it, I have to hit next now." Here's the loophole, though. So, if you like that song, but you agree that like R. Kelly is a monster, if you watch the movie, he doesn't get a royalty from it because he's already been paid for the movie soundtrack, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not getting counted like a Spotify track or YouTube. Oh. You just watch Space Jam. You can listen to I Believe I Can Fly and R. Kelly makes no money and it's a guilt-free listen. You're welcome. Or if you really want to rock out to the soundtrack to Space Jam, let's not sleep on the Quad City DJs. Yes. Well, I actually I actually buy my music, so I bought it all from iTunes years ago before all that stuff came out. Yeah, no, I feel that. I also at one point in the past, but I believe I can fly. And I like genuinely, like I just finished surviving R. Kelly maybe a month ago. And oh my God, that, that, that's mandatory viewing. If you haven't seen it, it is, it, it'll make you like, honestly not want to listen to any of his stuff ever again. Like in any way don't possibly get paid. For me, it's all the one that really has struck me. Like I believe it even when I was, I think it, it started really coming out when, back when you and I were like 12, is about mm-hmm. Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about because that was really the big moment. That was the second accusation that came out. When the second one came out, it was way more damning than the first because, I, you know, not, not I that remember that. shouldn't believe, be believed, but like... Oh, I, I believed it. I believed I mean, it. Like, I, I, every night on E! They would always do a reenactment of the trial. I'd watch every night with my parents at the dinner table and I was like, this, this is definitely true. But even before that, when they did the thing with Martin Bashir, I was like, yeah, he definitely did this stuff. But at the I same time... I remember watching the, the interview with Martin Bashir. Like, I remember watching that whole thing that actually had the victim in it. And I remember all that stuff coming back around when the trial and all that was moving forward. And I think that, like, we've come such a long way in victim advocacy since then, which is mm-hmm. so important. But... It was, it was just know, weird for me I because, like, I definitely that- believed it. But, like, at the same time, like, Michael Jackson is probably going to be one of my all-time favorite artists. Like, my, one of my favorite, my favorite song growing up was uh, Will You Be There. Like, every time I listen to that, I, I cry. Because the music is beautiful. Also, I love Free Willy. That's another 90s classic. Yes. Like, Netflix, if you're listening, to get us all through the quarantine, please put Free Willy up. Hashtag Free Willy. Hashtag free free willy. Let's get it trending, people. Okay, I think. Okay, I think we should figure out what the title of this episode is going to (laughs) be. But and also, but if you listen to the lyrics, they're all like very biblical, like, like. So it's such a beautiful song, but it's like, but you're a terrible human being. Yeah, like it's cognitive dissonance at its apex. Yeah, I, I think that's like the really difficult moment for a lot of people because you have to separate, you know, like 
there's Michael Jackson, there's R. Kelly. I'm sure there's some other people that I'm blanking on at the moment. I, I know for me, Kevin Spacey was a big one just because I, I, I loved Kevin Spacey. Um, I loved Baby Driver, House of Cards. I mean, so much, you, you know, but. Recount. It, yeah, but I mean, it, it matters. And these stories that people come forward with absolutely matter, you know, and. Um, <sighs> speaking of uh, Me Too, just. Did y'all see that uh, Harvey Weinstein has a coronavirus? Karma. Mm -hmm. like, so, I, I admit, like, this is sort of a double-edged sword because the fact that he is potentially that ill with a communicable disease in prison, I worry very much that his attorneys are going to use that as an excuse to keep him out of jail. Because, you know, you're going to want – most prison medical facilities aren't going to be equipped for something like that, so they're going to ask for a medical furlough. And right. they obviously – providing evidence but they're probably the types that are paid well enough that they can keep bringing forth excuses and just you know there's only so much you can do in terms of running out the clock on him but i guarantee you they will find a way to use that as a reason to keep him from serving some of his time and that part bothers me because i want to see him you know withering away in as much time as possible because oh i mean same <laughs> like I, I felt so conflicted when i found out because i mean well first and foremost like i don't wish sickness on people but like if anyone deserved it it was maybe him, but also at the same time, like I want him to like survive and make a full recovery because I don't want him to get an out like that. Dying is way yeah. easier than serving a sentence. Hmm. Is there a way to like maybe keep the coronavirus like just at like basically at, like there forever, like a chronic condition, so he's constantly in pain? Like, is there a way to like suppress the immune system just enough? I'm or is this sure really? Is this getting too dark? For, I think it's probably getting too dark. For a everyone. little bit. Yeah. God, we are learning about like the ventral side of Seamus here. I didn't think I'd ever <laughs> seen. <laughs> Seriously, people, do not fuck with this man. He is going to think of horrible things to do. Seamus will come for you. <laughs> he will. And he'll buy oh, your. We he'll buy the website domain to your <laughs> name. <laughs> I'll buy the domain. Uh. What else will I do? I'll check your voter file. Uh, there's one. I actually completely destroyed a judge's career. Uh, this one judge's career. I found out she played, uh, fabricated an endorsement quote on a, a mailer. So, Oof. yeah. Uh, Seriously, so, people, do not come for this man. He has ways. <laughs> no, there is apparently a member of the New York State Assembly who barely knows me. I think he's met him, me only once, but just by sheer reputation, he's scared of me. And when I told a friend about this rumor, he says, I am there for that because this person is also a complete oh. racist. I'm here for it. <sighs> I support it. Mm-hmm. But see, I'm also a very charming person. You know, I will defend you to no end. You know, I have one friend who was being cyberbullied by some turf, uh, to all to only because she's transgender and works in politics and it's like no i'm not that's not cool i'm gonna destroy you now so basically i'm your best friend or your worst enemy i think we have a new idea for either a new segment or new uh you know unlockable content for sponsors and that is ways that seamus campbell has or seamus campbell goes after your enemies <laughs> <laughs> oh i like this <laughs> 
Oh, actually, no. Uh, we'll create a Patreon thing, and for let's say fifty dollars a month, I will find out find out some deep dark secret about your enemies. <laughs> that's a really good deal. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, like that's some like prime, like oppo research right there alone, and you support the arts. <laughs> <laughs> And if I pay, like, if I had to pay some service also, that's a tax write-off, right? <laughs> the last ten minutes of this episode have gotten very dark. <laughs> very dark, but also very funny. <laughs> like, is this still kooky? I don't know. <laughs> well, we're showing how kooky I really am. But speaking of karma, and, you know, we also had... Uh, Unfortunately, catching a coronavirus, Rand Paul, who, you know, not sure. I wonder if uh, he can be healed by the Aqua Buddha. Or please tell me someone made that, got that reference. Make it again, please. The Aqua Buddha. Uh, okay, everyone, when you're everyone that's listening, when you're done, just Google Rand Paul Aqua Buddha. Buddha as in like. The, uh, the like figure and all that. It is a very crazy story. Uh, I just can't shows, believe he went to the gym, like knowing. I mean, and I actually have a theory that you know if he exposed anyone, they catch it. That is a that is a liability suit. And Ben, I said this offline. Get yourself admitted in Kentucky. You know that's some easy criminal liability cash in cashing in right there. If he did that in D.C., it would be have to be in the courts in D.C. Okay, so get yourself admitted in both. You know, it's not that hard. You, it's not like you uh, have too much going on. You know, you're you're in quarantine or whatever it is in Kansas. You can study up for the bar, but you can still study up. You're getting volunteered for things here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to find a way to make you make you get some more money. I'm trying What's to your, help enrich it, you. In case in case we don't get any sponsors, you need to find another way of getting some extra money so this way you can, you know, buy all-salt barbecue or whatever. Okay. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. <sighs> so, how's... Uh, just, I guess, before we wrap this all up, so how's everyone been handling with... Uh, uh, being in quarantine or st- social distancing and all that, which everyone has been up to as of late. Honestly, I've just been, I, I'm still working. Um, I'm lucky to still be working to some degree. I've been re- basically just getting constituent updates um, out. We've been doing a lot of, a lot of social, a lot of digital, a lot of emails. Um, I think I'm handling quarantine. Okay. I've, I've had a few days that have been rough. Like I'm not even going to lie. Um, Part of mine are just because, like, people I know that have been exposed and are testing positive, like, that's been the stuff that's been freaking me out. I think if I had just been, like, okay, work from home and we hadn't had the exposure that we had at the state capitol, I think I would probably be in a lot different headspace. But now that I'm three days away from being in the clear, like, I'm, I'm definitely starting to feel a little bit more relaxed. I think the rest of this, I'll be more okay. I think that that really is kind of a big breaking point for a lot of people because it's a totally different ball game if you think that you might 
be a carrier or, you know, just waiting to see if you're going to come out with a symptom. So I think I'm finally at a point where I'm, I'm, I'm calming down some and I'm not thinking that like every cough I have is like the start of like coronavirus symptoms. Ben, how have you been dealing with everything? Um, I mean, I've been, they just, my, my office just had everyone take their work stuff home, instructions on how to get to our network remotely. Um, so much of what I do is by phone and email. So it's just been adapting my work habits to my house. And that's been setting up a part of my house that I normally don't sit in and try to concentrate on anything because I have sort of a little zone out reading space. I've turned that into an actual workspace where I've got my work laptop set up. Um, put a couple of my, you know, old Godzilla figures around just for personality. Uh, so that I'm not bored. So yeah, it's just been permitting myself to not going anywhere, not having to dress up, not having to I'm still trying to be productive without the same sort of structure. Uh, and that feels very different for me. I, in the past, have not always concentrated as best on work at home. Um, but unlike, say, when I was studying for the bar exam, I had a study carol at the law library at Washburn still, and I could just walk over there because, you know, I live a few blocks away from my old law school, and I could just go up to the library, post up there for a day, and it was fine. The entire campus is closed now, so that's not exactly an option. Plus, since I graduated three years ago, I think I would certainly hope somebody else is taking over that study carol by now. And with me, well, since Ben, last time we spoke, uh, at least when we were doing this last podcast, you know, uh, I'm doing this stuff for school, uh, everything with work. Basically, I can work anywhere except for like five countries on Earth that have blocked Internet because I just have to manage a website and just post things, respond to emails. But keeping busy, schoolwork, homework, uh, going to a virtual book club, so we're all reading The Power Broker. Uh, and then uh, shows, podcasts. Uh, oddly, I may have a virtual date coming up. I met someone on Facebook dating, and she's like, you know, I'm really starting to get lonely because I live, live alone. I'm like, well, if you want to have a virtual date sometime, it's like, yeah, I may take you up on that. How about you friend me? I'm like, okay. So Facebook dating everyone, it actually does work for some people. That's another potential sponsor we're trying to get, obviously. <laughs> dating right so, now is weird though, because a lot, you can't do traditional things. You can't go and okay. see someone. So like text messaging has become like essential. Like I have a FaceTime date planned in the next few days. So like, I'm with you. Like, I feel that like, mm -hmm. Just those like little bits of like normalcy of seeing and talking to another person, you know, it's helpful. Like even just on the like, basic level of just human contact communication, like I'm, I'm glad that we can at least do that. Like this has been great for me to actually see and talk to other people. I've also been doing caucus work and we've done like video chats versus our regular call-ins. And I think that's been helpful for everyone as well, just to see another person. Well, everyone, it's been almost an hour, so just about an hour. Uh, it's been great potting with you. Thanks so. so much for having me, guys. This is fun. Thanks for coming on. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, and uh, we'll be sure to see if there's a way we can share on Facebook and all our social media, you and the Care Bears onesie, which 
at the very minimum, that has that that alone should just be the cosplay you do. Yes, I've done it before, like, and that may happen. That's gonna be mine. <laughs> I like this one. Everyone, thank you for listening to Campbell and Cohen's Cookie Quarantine. I've been Seamus Campbell. I've been Ben Cohen. And thank you so much to Becky Deer for joining us. Theme music is produced by Andrew Nakamurata. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe, y'all.